At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Please welcome your CEO coach. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show custom-built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding to finances, set up to staffing, the CEO Coach will break down the art of business development from the ground up by one of the experts of online business growth, management, and development. Now, here to get you started is your CEO Coach, Jillian Music. Hey, welcome everybody. It's a great day here. I've got with me today Tim Ash from Site Tuners. Tim, tell us about what made you decide to go into business today. A temporary fit of insanity. That would make sense. Okay. No, actually, I think I was born in Russia. And I think that Mm -hmm. what you'll find is a common thread among many entrepreneurs is we're immigrants. Mm -hmm. Uh, We came here to do something different, something better. My parents gave up their whole lives there for my brother and I to have a new start in America. So I looked at the risks they took, and by comparison, mine are pretty small. Yep, pretty meager. I'm a first-generation American, and I would say that you can tell either an immigrant child or a first-generation American child by the ball and chain clamped to their leg, and it says, achieve, achieve, (laughs) achieve. (laughs) It's what our parents did give up to bring us here. So that's an interesting point. I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs who come from that background. Well, actually, I had there was a survey that they did once about entrepreneurial success, and there are five key traits that they found among most entrepreneurs, Uh, or this is Many of them, anyway. Mm-hmm. And the, the first was being male. Mm-hmm. Second one was being an immigrant. The third was being a firstborn. Mm-hmm. The fourth was being Jewish. Mm-hmm. Pretty entrepreneurial folks. And the fifth was not having an advanced degree. Interesting. Well, I qualify on some counts there. (laughs) So, first-generation American, female, but I've been often told I'm more of a male brain than a female body. I can understand that, probably because I'm an entrepreneur. But anyway, what was it, when along your career did you decide to open your own shop, or did you always have your own business? Did you go to college and start a business right away, or while you were in school? Well, I went to University of California on a full scholarship. I stayed there for graduate school. And throughout that time, I worked, in many cases, full-time. And mm-hmm. uh, large companies, NCR, SAIC, which is a big defense contractor, and uh, basically saw that the Dilbert cubicle world was not for me. 
And so in 1995, I started my first business, and here we are in 2010. What was your first business in 95? It was called Future Focus, and it was a, essentially an internet incubator, mm-hmm. the beginning of the dot-com right. uh, kind of bubble, I guess, what it later turned out to be. We helped launch new companies, get first rounds of financing for them, mm-hmm. write their business plans, develop their internet applications. So you came with a lot of experience by the time you opened your own firm. You had written lots of business plans, helped to get financing, had worked for major corporations and knew what the large organizations were like. And you had some of those things behind you, just being an immigrant and being a firstborn and so on, and decided that that was time for your own. And so when you put all this together, what made you open SiteTuners? When did that happen? Well, SiteTuners is my third company. I'm lucky enough to have had... uh, same business partner, Robin mm-hmm. Benenson, that whole time since 1995. Uh-huh. So we worked together. Our first one was Future Focus, the yes. second one, Career Scout, and then Site Tuners is the third, okay. and uh, we've been doing it for about seven years now. Great. How big is Site Tuners now? Uh, well, we're a privately held company, so we don't talk about financial numbers, but we have about a, a dozen people and some programming staff that we mm-hmm. have offshore. Okay. So about a dozen folks here, and then folks offshore as well. In Hyderabad. In India. In, in Hyderabad. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And how do you find working there um, remotely? Are you getting your message across, getting them to build what you want and so on? So many people are concerned about outsourcing and whether or not that's a good idea. Well, it's okay to read Thomas Friedman's books about the flat world. And in theory, it all sounds wonderful. But in practice, there are definitely issues. Um, some unexpected ones we ran across or. There seem to be a lot of holidays in India. And I'm not a, I wasn't <laughs> yes. aware of it. Those are all... In addition to the Western ones, that uh, so I'm not sure that their work schedule is is exactly like ours. So dev schedules can be very difficult yep. to get uh, around. Yeah. It's twelve and a half hours times different yes. from where we are. That's also mm-hmm. a challenge. And then uh, just kind of getting requirements across. Unless mm-hmm. you have a large scale project with formal software requirements, it's it's very difficult to say do this because. It comes back looking a little more like that than this. <laughs> I did find the same thing. When I was in India uh, last November, I found a number of even major corporations serving a large number of folks uh, in Europe or and or in the States. When you told them to do something, they kind of did it, but kept on going even if it meant running off a cliff. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so this bottom-up thinking that we take for granted here in the States is not always present in other cultures. As a matter of fact, also not in uh, Russia. It's a top-down kind of culture, and I think that has to be taken into account as well so yeah. that the definitions and the requirements of your project have to be really detailed to the nth degree, and you have to stay on it to make sure that you haven't run into a wall and you're able to make those changes yourself. Yeah, and we're lucky enough to have our VP of uh, Client Services, Skip Andrews. He's worked with Nokia and managed large-scale cross-cultural teams of engineers. Uh, at one point, he had a couple of hundred people reporting to him, so it, ha- it takes somebody like that to manage that effort. Uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even try to do it myself. Okay, so I think that's a really good tip and takeaway for our entrepreneurs who are listening. If you're going to do offshore uh, outsourcing, make sure you have somebody with some experience in doing that and understands the cultural differences as well as the other things that we think about, time differences yeah. or things like perhaps so, holiday patterns. So if you look at that lower hourly rate, that mm-hmm. seems so much cheaper. You have to factor in accounts going to be a lot less efficient. And mm-hmm. it's also going to require some expensive people on your end to manage the project. Right. And then also take into account the lost opportunity cost of not getting it done right away because that's mm-hmm. a huge issue. Time to market, having that window slam shut in your face. Yes, that can be huge and that can be a make or break it decision. So it isn't as 
non-complex as one would think. <laughs> All right. So um, you're a privately held company, so is SEMO Vaz, absolutely. And you've worked with the same person for a long time as well, which is kind of a similarity here. Um, are you considering that you will continue to do that forever, or you think someday you might branch off and do your own things? Uh, well, we're definitely a team for the business side. We have our financial goals that we want to achieve, and once that's done, we kind of move on to the next stage of our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the meantime, we're definitely pulling together in the same mm -hmm. direction. That's really an important issue as well, I think. Uh, if you have a solid team at the helm of any company, it makes a big difference. So you do a tremendous amount of traveling. Where have you been lately, and where are you headed next? Mm, where haven't I been lately? Uh, all over the U.S., and... Uh, Boston, New York, Chicago, Phoenix, Las Vegas, mm -hmm. uh, Miami, San Jose, San Francisco. I could Where go are on. you collecting airline points? <laughs> American Airlines. American. It's all about American. Okay. Uh, they fly everywhere. Okay. Yep, they do. No, actually, yeah. I'm going to be up in your neck of the woods uh, doing one of your trainings at the end of the summer in Seattle. That's right. So We're looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. Absolutely. We'll be uh, doing the SEO Moz seminar. Um, that's the advanced seminar. It happens on August 29th and 30th. So we're pretty excited to have you. That's great. So anything that you would want to share with our listeners about this process of starting up? Did you do it, for example, yourself, or did you go out for angel investment or venture capital investment? We did it ourselves, and we funded all of our businesses from operating profits and cash flow. Uh, and, you know, there have been over the last 15 years, three or four times when we've hit the deck or almost mm -hmm. hit the deck. Mm -hmm. One company cratered and we closed it and started the next one. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that more than anything, it's a, for me, it was a personal decision. I didn't want to go after any kind of institutional money. And mm -hmm. I'm sure all the VCs are laughing and thinking, well, you're one of those small fry guys that has to do it yourself. But mm -hmm. you have to be real clear about what motivates you because with venture capital money comes the selling of your soul. It really does. They're going to you know, give your kid steroids and uh, hope he doesn't <laughs> turn into a total monster and gets picked up by the major leagues. But it's going to be a very, very concentrated, painful, directed experience, and you're not going to be your own boss, which to me trumped mm -hmm. the making money part. That, that makes some sense, and I know that a lot of folks do have that experience. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back right after this message. Stay tuned. More on how to build your business on the web with the CEO coach right after this. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money. You can promote any product immediately. No contracts required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. Hi, this is Joel Kamp. I want to take a moment to tell you about a revolutionary new theme for WordPress that's going to change the way you make websites. It's called the Socrates theme, and it is the number one WordPress product on ClickBank. You can see it in action right now at SocratesTheme.com. The Socrates theme has a ton of options for customizing your site, but what really makes it stand out is the ability to monetize your site instantly just by entering your ClickBank or AdSense IDs right inside the theme. That's right, there's no plugins needed. Go check it out now at SocratesTheme.com. Anyway, I ask? That's right, ma'am. Anyway, you ask. 
Let me get this straight. If I wanted your CEO to deliver my check while juggling flaming machetes on the back of an Asian elephant, all I have to do is ask? Correct. With in-demand affiliates, you can tell us exactly how you want your payouts, and we will deliver. God, uh, could you hold on for a second? Someone's at the door. Wow, you weren't kidding. We are in demand. You can be too. Sign up today at the letter ndemandaffiliates.com. Take some notes from the godfathers of mass distribution. The click father, Kevin DiVincenzi. What do you feel that this show, Inbox, is going to do? It's going to bridge a gap between people trying to get into the industry and people understanding, having questions on how to market properly. You're about to get schooled on how to be inboxed. Our big goal is to have people market with full compliance properly, and a lot of people just don't because they don't know how. We want to teach them how. We want to answer their questions. So the people that do want to put their work and the time in will get their result. Inbox, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. We're back with Jelly and Music, the CEO coach, only on webmasterradio.fm. Tim, tell me a little bit about the hiring and firing process over at SiteTuners. You're a very small company, so you've hired a few folks. What kind of things do you look like, uh, look for when you start hiring? Well, I'd say over the years, in the 15 years that my business partner Rob and I have been running companies, we've probably hired and subsequently... They, they're not there, uh, mm-hmm. maybe 50 people. Mm-hmm. So one thing you'll find is that, uh, you know, as time goes on, you'll naturally have to become somewhat adept at finding the right people. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's something that most entrepreneurs really kind of are afraid of. Uh, what yes. I mean by that is we all start out, well, we're not going to be Dilbert. We're going to have a special place mm-hmm. where special people work, and it's going to be a family, and we're all going to just, you know, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And then and even in a company with five or six people, you know, you have the manager versus employee mentality develop. It's uncanny how that happens. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason is that they're two different breeds. Entrepreneurs have their own take and they're pretty independent. But most people out there have an employee mentality and they bring that with them to whatever size company they work at. I think you're right. I think one of the most difficult things for an entrepreneur to recognize is that other spirits are not entrepreneurial spirits. That's right. That they want to work for you, and there's a reason. And they don't want, for example, uh, variable compensation. Yes. Hey, it sounds great in theory. Here's a decent base, and then if we're all eating, we're all doing well, then you get big fat bonuses. Well, unfortunately, people like certainty. At least Mm -hmm. most people like certainty. And so... You say you're going to make more money this way. That doesn't really motivate them. In fact, it scares them because all they're looking at is that low base. So one thing we learned is for kind of the non-line positions, not the senior ones, we Mm -hmm. have fixed compensation. And any bonuses they get are extra, but the the base has to be good enough Mm -hmm. for them not to worry about money. What about taking a piece of the business? Do you divvy that up? Do you give stock or stock options to your employees? Uh, Again, only to senior people because they're the only ones that are motivated by it. Your line employees are not going to be. That's been our experience. I understand. Um, when you're hiring, do you hire first for, I don't know, skill sets, talents, and so on, or for personality first and the skill sets you feel you can teach? Well, we do something fairly complex, landing page optimization. Now, you can have, I know SEO tools and techniques and politics change all the time, but still, you're doing kind of a, a set thing and there's new skills you have to learn. But when you're talking about improving, 
the efficiency of a website or landing page is you, now you're talking about human psychology, copywriting, graphic design, mm-hmm. uh, testing and statistics. So there's so many different angles to approach it from mm-hmm. that nobody can really have that skill set when they come in. Makes sense. So it really is a personality thing. Someone who has a capacity to speak this technical language as well as understand psychology and marketing. Yeah, and that's so, a kind of a rare combination. So yes. we found we've had to train people. Yeah, mm-hmm. our, even our graphic designers, you know, it's 6 to 12 months to ramp somebody up so that they can intuitively understand the right visual balance on the page and what should mm-hmm. be there yeah. or not a, not be there. Right. You've built a fairly large brand around the Tim Ash brand as well as around the Site Tuners brand. Mm-hmm. We had the same issue over at SEO Moz. The brand of Rand Fishkin was significantly larger than the brand of SEO Moz for a long time. At this point, I'd say it's probably somewhere between 50-50 and now you know, leaning toward the SEO Moz brand being actually a larger brand and, and recognizable than the Rand Fishkin brand. How do you balance that in terms of building the brand for Site Tuners? It's somehow the difference, I think, between being that... Uh, um, a contractors kind of stage where you're you're really building your personal brand and now moving it to the corporate brand. Right. Well, I think that uh, the importance of that depends on your exit strategy and whether you have one. If you mm-hmm. just want to grow your business and it's your brand and you're you're the brand, that's fine. Mm-hmm. If you want to sell it, then of course you're going to get much less value out of the business if you don't go with it because right. the business depends on you. And so um, we do want to sell our business. And so we're making that conscious transition of away mm-hmm. from Tim Ash, the thought leader, to Site Tuners and Conversion Conference, our event series, and uh, tools like Attention Wizard. So we're kind of spinning off mm-hmm. uh, brands that stand on their own. Makes good sense. So that's exactly the stage we were in. So tell me a little bit about the brand. Well, not just Site Tuners, but you said Attention Wizard. Tell me about Attention Wizard and tell the audience. Well, Site Tuners is essentially a, a consulting business, uh, a services business. We improve conversion rates. We can do that with full service testing, or we can just kind of do a, a scrub of your website or landing page via our best practices that we've learned by doing hundreds of tests. Um, but Attention Wizard is our first entree into tools uh, for helping people diagnose problems with their landing page. So it doesn't require any consulting from us. Attention Wizard basically predicts where someone is going to look on your landing page, what they're going to pay attention to during the first few seconds. And it's completely just a software algorithm. You upload an image and you get back kind of a heat map of it with the hot spots showing where the attention is going to go. And what does that cost? Well, it, there's a light version that's free, um, mm-hmm. probably similar to your SEO Moz business. Yes. We have a, a free entry level, and then uh, right now it's pay-per-use, so you can okay. pre-buy a certain number of heat maps and mm-hmm. use them whenever you want. But uh, we're actually moving to a subscription model. Okay. Yeah. So are you rolling out that subscription model in 2010? Absolutely, yes. We're doing Excellent. it in this we'll quarter. In this quarter? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. And folks can find you at sitetuners.com. That's sitetuners.com, conversionconference.com as well. Okay. So returning then to the the concept of building the personal brand and then building the corporate brand, what are you doing proactively now to build the corporate brand? Because we certainly know that the Tim Ash brand is now solid and fairly large. 
Well, we're in the process of rolling out what I call our content domination strategy. And mm-hmm. basically, uh, once you have the thought leadership, there's a kind of a critical mass, as you know, that you hit. Mm-hmm. And you get start inviting, uh, getting invited to speak at events, to do webinars, and, and, and uh, partner with, with other companies. So what we're doing is we're very consciously uh, shifting the focus to say, this is site tuners. Uh, we're making the logos bigger, the pictures of me smaller, and it's kind of a brand transition that's going to take a year to two years to accomplish. Yes, it does take a couple of years to accomplish, absolutely. So again, the focus comes to site tuners, and you say things like, site tuners is coming to town. And, and also, yeah. you develop uh, other voices. Uh, it's yeah. not, uh, I'm going to become less visible over time. Other representatives of the company are going to kind of take up that mantle on the marketing side mm-hmm. and actually do the presentations and lead the webinars. And That's an excellent uh, point. Um, I do that, of course, when I speak as well. I say SEO Moz is coming too, and then I fill in the blank, as opposed to saying Jillian Music is coming there or Rand Fishkin is coming there. So, anything you'd like to leave our listeners as we wrap up today? Any tips about building the business from the ground up? Because you really did start. Mm. You and a partner opened the doors, and now you've got a dozen here. You've got outsourced developers. You have a brand that's gone national and certainly international and growing from here. Uh, Well, I'd say it's a lot easier to start the business when you're not married. Mm. <laughs> and whoever marries you better be in for the long haul. And what I mean by that is not just because of me personally, but I just mean if you're marrying an entrepreneur, you're going to have the ups and downs and the roller coaster and the mortgaging your house probably at some stage mm-hmm. or uh, getting a second mortgage out on your house, as the case may be. So it really, if you're going to pick a life partner as an entrepreneur in the middle of growing your mm-hmm. business, be real clear that this is going to be a, you know full exposure and, and kind of thing. And is your partner comfortable with this? Or just yeah, my, my wife is, is just fantastic on so uh, many different levels. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, being on the road, having done 30 speaking engagements in the past year, for example, uh, yeah. somebody's got to be there to... to uh, take care of the family and the kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, make yep. sure that you find somebody that's willing to take that level of risk exposure with you. That does make sense. Um, I was married to an engineer by brain set, if you will. He was a director of, um, uh, well, of energy and utility management and so on at Boeing. So a very, very different mindset. And I have to say there were years when I did not share what went on at SEO Maz or in the predecessor company because it was pretty rough going. Um, so I think you're quite right. Choose someone who is comfortable with the risks and the uh, wild ride life of the entrepreneur makes a big deal of sense. And, and then w- uh, one other thing I would probably add is that if you're going to do this, you're also going to have to you know, work you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks on a pretty consistent basis. Yes. So you have to be in good shape, have that work-life balance figured mm-hmm. out. and. Yep. It's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. My husband says he's jealous of no one but my laptop. He says, for God's sake, she takes it to bed. <laughs> so I do understand that part of it. Yeah, so I think the most important aspect of it, which kind of com- comes back to having a supportive spouse as well, yes. is yes. Uh, the the notion of this, this is really, it's a persistence game more than anything. You'll have ideas. They'll go sideways. A lot of mm-hmm. things don't depend on you. They depend uh, completely on luck and market timing and a chance mm-hmm. conversation on an airplane somewhere. That's right. And, and you, there's no taking that into account. But if you keep coming back and taking another whack at it, so the belief in yourself and the mm-hmm. 
persistence and stamina, taking it on the chin and getting up and doing it again the next day. That's right. probably more important than anything. So maybe it's actually easier to do this once you do have a spouse, but someone who can be supportive behind you. I think perhaps one of the most difficult things for young entrepreneurs or new company entrepreneurs is to keep that stamina when the world tells you it cannot be done. Yeah, yeah so. you, have to, you have to take a lot of no's in the face every day. I agree. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate your coming to speak with us today at CEO Coach. It's been a pleasure, Tim. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you, Tim. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.